It's good to be here this morning. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be here this week. Really looking forward to it. Looking for and the next week as well. Looking forward to spending time with you. There's many of you who I know and many that I don't know so well. I'm looking forward to getting to know you better. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. According to my records, it's been about nine years since I last spoke here. And so I'm excited about it. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. And I look forward to talking to you this morning for just a few moments about the topic of the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So this charge was given by Jesus to the apostles, but it applies to us today. We have a responsibility. We are entrusted with the mission, and that mission is part of the commission to go out and spread the good news of Jesus, the gospel, of salvation that he offers through his death for us on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, giving us the hope of our own resurrection. And each one of us has an important mission to bring this gospel message and share our faith to the world around us. And so, this morning, I want you to consider and think about for just a few moments as we think about some things, whether or not you and I are fulfilling your mission as you have been called to do. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 10, two parables here that Jesus gave. He says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents." So I want you to think about these two parables this morning. Think about the first one. Jesus compares God to a shepherd who shepherds his sheep. And he's got a flock of 100 sheep. 99 are okay, but one goes off on its own and is lost. And so the shepherd goes and seeks the one that was lost. He leaves the 99. And someone might say, well, isn't 99 enough? Why do you have to go after the one? The fact is that he cares about the one, and he cares about the 99. He cares about each and every one of them. He desires each person to be a part of the fold. So he goes to great lengths and goes through great danger to go and find that one sheep. God even went to the point of sending his son to die for our sins so that there could be sheep in his fold. I think about the woman who lost the coin. and She searched everywhere to find that coin. I don't know if you've ever lost anything valuable and searched for it. Sometimes that happens from time to time. Sometimes we lose the TV remote, but sometimes we've lost things that are really valuable. My wife had braces and on her teeth, and she uh, got those off recently, and so she had retainers, and she lost her retainers. We knew they were in the house somewhere, but we had to search everywhere we could to find those retainers. 
because we knew that if we didn't find them, we'd have to go back to the orthodontist office and pay hundreds of dollars to get more retainers. And so once we realized they were lost, everything stopped. And we looked everywhere we could, all over the house, high and low. Emily even looked through the garbage to try to find these retainers. And you look under everything, you go and you go to the couch and you look under the couch cushions and you don't see the retainers, but you see a bunch of crumbs and stuff under there that you haven't touched in a while. And you're pretty busy, so you just kind of pat that back down and just save that for later. And because you've got to find that retainer. You've got to find that thing which was lost. It's important. And eventually we found those. We found them in the floor of the garage. But this sense of mission pales in comparison to the desire that God has for each one of us to be a part of His fold. It pales in comparison for how God longs for His creation to receive the salvation that He offers. He and the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. And the fact is, you and I are to be God's instruments to carry forth that mission to the world. Romans chapter 6, verse 13 says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You see, everything that we are, our entire bodies, our, our soul, our life, is instruments in the hand of God, like a tool, like a sword in the hand of a warrior, like a gardening tool, a shovel that digs the earth and plants and sows and waters. We are the instruments that carries forth this mission. We all have the responsibility. Those who teach the gospel are earthen vessels to carry forth the message. 2 Corinthians 4, 6-7 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. But we are to be those vessels to go out and carry that message. We are tools for His purpose. Knowing this is our mission, what is holding you back from evangelizing like you should? Maybe that's not the case. Maybe you are. But for many of us, we know that we can do more. We know that we can do better. Maybe you have a fear of rejection. We all experience this to some degree or other. But the fact is, when we put ourselves out there and we share our faith with others, we're leaving ourselves vulnerable to the possibility of rejection. But we need to remember that the benefits and advantages of having a new brother and sister in Christ far outweigh the sadness and disappointment of rejection. Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 it says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I want you to think about that scripture for just a moment. There's a lot of things that we can take from this passage. But I want to tell you one thing that I learned when looking at this passage. It tells me that the whole world isn't as valuable as one soul. A soul is more valuable than everything in the world. And there are billions of souls around the world. God cares about each one of them. He's given us a commission to go and make disciples of all the nations to preach the gospel to every creature. It's important to God and it's valuable. So are you going to let the fear of rejection stop you from seeking that which is valuable to God? We may be rejected. People rejected the apostles. They rejected the prophets. They rejected Jesus himself. But they kept on preaching anyway. 
2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 18 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise up us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Brothers and sisters, if we preach the gospel, it's not likely that we're going to be persecuted like Paul was. Paul went through many perils and dangers and difficulties for the sake of the gospel. And yet, he called it his light affliction. It's light affliction. The worst thing that could happen to us, probably, is we might have a bit of a strained relationship with our coworkers or our neighbors or our friends who we talk to. We might feel a little awkward for a while. We're not going to face the persecutions that Paul faced. And yet it was his light affliction. Why did he keep on preaching the gospel, knowing the dangers that he faced, knowing the sorrow and peril he was putting himself in? Because the mission of the gospel of Christ was worth it to him. Is it worth it to you? Is it important enough to you that you're going to overcome the fear of rejection, and the fear of being disappointed to preach anyway? Maybe you've been reluctant to tell others because you feel like you have a lack of knowledge of the gospel of Christ. The fact is, we don't know everything. And that's okay sometimes. We don't have to know all the answers. You may be afraid that when you start to talk to people about the gospel and biblical things, they may have questions that you don't know the answer to. And that may be the case. And that's okay. The truth is, it's okay to say, you know what, I don't know, that's a good question. Let me study that and get back to you. If the person that you're talking to has a heart that's really seeking the truth, that should be okay to them as well. But, in reality, it doesn't really take much knowledge to be able to teach others about the gospel and the plan of salvation. You probably know more than you think. But I would encourage you to make sure you know these basic principles. Know the principles of the gospel and tell others about them. Then you can get to some of the more complicated matters later. But no matter where you're at, you can still teach and you can still tell others about the gospel. It's good to be prepared. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Are you prepared to speak to others about your faith? How do we be prepared? Well, one thing is you can grow in knowledge. Continually study God's word. Make it a regular part of your life. 1 Peter 2, verse 2 says, The newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. God's word is our spiritual food. Now, I don't go very long without eating physical food. You know, you could tell that just looking at me. But a couple of times recently I fasted, and I'm not telling you that to brag. That's not the purpose of this. 
Uh, I had to make a couple of important decisions, and so I decided to fast. And when I do that, it doesn't take very long before my body starts to crave nourishment. And it gets to the point eventually where it's all you can think about almost. You can't hardly think about anything else, but you want food. And yet, even though we may not feel it in the same way, how often do we starve ourselves spiritually of God's Word, of our spiritual food? Do I make that a regular part of my life, a regimented, important part of my routine, feasting upon the Word of God? Do you do that? And if not, why not? And what are you going to do about it? How are you going to change and make a decision to regularly feed on God's Word? Not only because it's important for you to understand God's Word, but also so that you can tell others as well. So how do we overcome this fear of rejection and fear, lack of knowledge, and, and fear and trepidation we have to go out and preach the Gospel? And I think the best way that we can do that is by remembering what God has done for us. What He means to us. When we think about all that God has done for us, He's forgiven us of our sins, allowed us to become His children, it should motivate us to give everything we have and everything we are to Him and to fulfilling His mission. I want you to consider for just a few moments this morning about a few things that God has done for you as Christians. Though God is the God of all the universe, He cares about you. It says, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. We sing that song sometimes. His eyes on the sparrow, he's watching over me. Even though God is the God of everything, and he knows everything about everything that's going on, everywhere, and every molecule, every atom in this entire universe, he cares about you. And it's important to, to him that you are obeying him and he loves you and he cares about you and he wants you a part of his family. What an amazing blessing. And yet we reject sometimes the responsibility we have to fulfill our mission in this world. God has not allowed you to be left aimless and hopeless in this world. He's given you his word to guide and direct your steps and your path in life. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What a blessing that is, that he's given us his word to guide us and direct us and show us the path in our life, if we'll let him. God sent his son to die for your sins. Romans 5.8-9 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we should be saved from wrath through him. What a great thing that God has done for us. He has taken you from the path of destruction and become your shepherd and father. 1 Peter 2.25 says, For you are like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We are the sheep, and God is our shepherd. And he cares for the sheep, and he feeds the flock, and he directs it, and he comforts us. Think about Psalm 23 and all the things that God does for us. What a blessing. He's lifted off of you the burden of guilt and sin and given you rest for your soul. Matthew chapter 11, 28-30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
My burden is light. What a blessing. God has taken off that burden of guilt. He's laid upon you a light yoke. And He gives you rest in your soul. He's taken you from being an alien sinner and made you a part of a loving family of God. Jude 1, 24-25 Now to Him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and forever. So He has saved you from eternal destruction that you deserved and given you the hope of a home in heaven where we'll be in the presence of God, which is fullness of joy for all of eternity. Romans 8, 14-17, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together. Knowing all this that God has done for you, we must remember that everything we have and everything we are, we owe to God, and we can't let the fear and the anxiety that we might have of telling others about Jesus stop us from fulfilling our mission. Because we don't belong to ourselves. We now belong to God. We are a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1-2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we belong to God. We are His children. We are a living sacrifice. Knowing this, we must remember that. And we must let that motivate us to keep on preaching, to keep on telling others. And so, are you fulfilling your mission to preach the gospel of Christ with your words and your actions? God has given you a mission to go and preach. But what are you telling God with your words and with your actions? There's basically two responses that you can have. Isaiah was given a vision of the throne room of God. And in this vision, someone was sought to go out and, and uh, proclaim an important message from God. And let's read what his response was in Isaiah 6, verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah gladly volunteered, saying to God, Here am I. Send me. When it comes to your mission to tell others about Jesus, are you like Isaiah and boldly proclaiming the message of God with your words and your actions? You see, God needs us to stand in the gap and be the voice of righteousness in this world. Ezekiel 22, verse 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God sought someone to stand up for righteousness in Judah so that he would not have to destroy it, but no one would. God needs you to stand up for righteousness in spiritual Israel. And so are you going to do it? Are you going to fulfill your mission? When you have a coworker who you know needs to know Jesus, are you going to look for opportunities to talk to them about the Bible? Find a time to study or are you going to abandon the gap? 
when there are opportunities to invite people to gospel revivals or knock on doors or pass out flyers or make a post on Facebook? Are you going to say, here am I, send me? What a great opportunity we have here. We got flyers back there. There's a revival coming up. There's an opportunity we have tonight to stuff bags, to give to people, to spread the message. I encourage you to be back tonight and save for the, the stuffing of the bags. Are you going to do that or are you going to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, don't send me, not standing in the gap. Fact is, you must fulfill your mission and no one else can do it for you. No one else has the same talents as you. No one else has the same connections as you. No one else has the same experience as you. The body of Christ needs you. God needs you to do your part. Are you going to fulfill your mission? Or are you going to have a different response to the mission that God has given us? Are you going to be like Isaiah and say, here am I, send me? Or are you going to be like Moses who told God, send somebody else? Moses was told to go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And his response was to make excuses to say he wasn't an eloquent person. He said in Exodus 4, verse 13, but he said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. When it comes to your mission to be evangelistic, are you like Isaiah and saying, Here am I, send me? Or are you like Moses and saying, Send somebody else? Fact is, no one else can do it for you. You must fulfill your mission. God has given you a light. And it's not your light, it's His light. He's given you a choice whether or not you're going to shine it. But He expects you to do so. It's your responsibility. Matthew chapter 5, 14-16 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a candle, a lamp, and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Are you let, letting your light shine? Lord willing, this evening, I'm going to talk about some specific, practical ways that we can be evangelistic in our community. But, for now, I want you to ask yourself, when you have the choice to help somebody who's in need, whether that be financially or through an act of service, are you going to let that light shine? Are you going to do good to them so that God may be glorified? Or are you going to hide that light under a basket? When you go to work or school and others know that you're a Christian, are you truly going to act like one? Or are you going to hide that light so that you can act ungodly and gossip and tell dirty jokes and brag about the sins that you committed? When your friend starts to talk to you about the Bible and religious matters, and you recognize it as an opportunity to steer the conversation toward God, are you going to say to God, Here am I, send me! Or are you going to say to God effectively, send someone else? And so as we conclude this morning, I want you to think about your life and think about the opportunities that are before you. The choice is before you. You are to be God's instrument. Are you going to fulfill your mission and spread the gospel? Or are you going to hide your light under a bushel? Are you going to say to God, here am I, send me? Or are you going to say to God, send somebody else? Are you going to stand in the gap for righteousness? Or are you going to abandon it? You have the choice. You have the responsibility. If you're not, if you, if you haven't been, make a change today. and Make a decision that from now on, I'm going to not hide my light under the bushel. I'm going to let it shine. 
I'm going to tell others about Jesus. I'm going to spread the gospel to my community. If you haven't stood in the gap, make a decision to do so now. God needs you to fulfill your mission. This morning we offer an invitation. If you haven't stood in the gap and you need the prayers of the church, we want to help you. Or if you're not a child of God, you have an opportunity to become a part of God's family. Think about all those things that God has done for you. He cares for you. and He wants you to come to Him and be part of His family. Won't you do that this morning? Come and become a child of God today. We can help you do that. Have your soul saved by the shed blood of Christ. Please come forward as we stand and sing the song. It's been selected.